0: This is episode 196 with fellow podcaster, former pro runner for the UK, and our most frequent guest, Ms. Tina Weir. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is thanks to you. I crowdsourced nearly a dozen questions from our community on Twitter, Instagram, and Strength Running's email list to bring you a listener-inspired Q&A with my co-host, Tina Weir. We're going to help you run healthier, get stronger, and prevent your next injury. But before we start, I want to make sure we're all racing the same course today. On this show, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry to give you the knowledge, mindsets, and tools to get faster, stronger, and become a more capable athlete. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Don't miss our YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on form drills, how to stay healthy and run with better form, strength workouts, coaching lessons, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. And we now have a brand new site. So please visit it. Let me know what you think. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. And drum roll, please. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Precision Hydration. If you've ever struggled with hydration or electrolyte issues, it's worth checking them out at precisionhydration.com. Now, if you can't get a personalized sweat test, then you can take their free online sweat test to get a personalized hydration strategy to test in your training. Precision Hydration is also hooking you up. Our listeners can get 15% off your first order by using the code STRENGTH15 when checking out. All right, runners, we have a fun episode lined up for you today. Joining me for a round of Q&A is the host of the Running For Real and Running Realized podcasts, a former pro runner, and one hell of a human being, Ms. Tina Weir. We're talking about injuries, how to stay healthy, the difference between injuries and pain, when you can run through a niggle and when you shouldn't, nutrition as prevention, when you shouldn't run through a cold and more. A big thanks to all of our listeners who submitted questions. And if you'd like to contribute to a future episode, be sure to follow me on Instagram at JasonFitz1. By the way, if injuries are something that you struggle with or you simply want to stay healthy, you'll love our free injury prevention series that you can sign up for at strengthrunning.com injury hyphen prevention. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Tina Muir. Tina, welcome back. I'm so excited you're here.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to ha- uh, I was going to say excited to have you. That was automatic. I'm excited to be here. I always love these conversations. So thanks for, for having me.
0: Yeah. One of the drawbacks of being a host, right? Is that <laughs> yeah. you're always saying, I'm excited to have you. Do you say that <laughs> to people who come to your house?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Excited you are Excited you are here today. Um, Thank
0: you for making the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Tina, I actually have had you on the show now four times. And oh? so I, I think wow. you might be not only our most booked guest ever, but also one of the most requested. I have people reach out to me all the time telling me how much they enjoy these conversations. So I'm just thrilled to have you back on the show today. Thank you
1: that means so much. Thank you to anyone who has said that. And thank you to you. And uh, I very much get the same thing. People are always requesting that um, you and I have a conversation. They uh, seem to really enjoy it.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I I like that. I appreciate that. So (laughs) let's get into it. But before we do, I do want to give you a public congratulations on your new podcast, Running Realized with Knox Robinson. If our listeners haven't checked it out, can you give them maybe like a quick overview of what the show's about?
1: Well, you just used a word that I'm not capable of doing, and that's quick. Uh, well, I may have used to have quick legs that could run fast, um, quick is not something I can do, but I will try to be concise. Um, So Running Realized is totally different to all the running podcasts out there. It's a highly produced kind of NPR, Gimlet-style podcast that has a story segment, um, an interview, some conversations, some takeaways for actionable things that the listener can do um, about particular challenges. So if you have heard about the things going on, like the AAPI hate crime if you've heard about the conversations about trans and non-binary runners, you've heard about the climate crisis conversations, and you're like, what is my role? What can I do? This will give you actionable things to actually do within your life immediately. And it's just enjoyable to, um, it's just an enjoyable listen, or at least I think so. These are interesting people. They've got great stories and it's, um, It's just fun. Like Knox and I have a good relationship. So uh, I think that's actually one of the things people enjoy the most is the banter between us. So yeah, I don't know. Is that how you sum it up?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really appreciate the fact that uh, the show is highly produced. It is just a joy to listen to. And I can tell that so much work goes into that production. Uh, and then also like you just really cover issues that are not really covered in the running industry and in the running world. And so I think it's a great way for runners to learn more about these issues. And, and on top of it all, you make it very actionable. And I'm always talking about, I love actionable running advice. And And this is actionable in a different way. It's not just for your you know, infotainment, it's also for you to learn from and then apply it to your to your life and to your community. So I think that's really powerful.
1: Thank you. And then uh, I do want to add, and I think even you mentioned this when I emailed you about it, that it sounds heavy, but it's really not like it sounds very um, intense and like, oh, I can't take another one of these episodes, but it is really an enjoyable thing to listen to. And you will leave the episodes feeling empowered, like you can do something about it.
0: So, Tina, we're going to talk about something that I absolutely love today, injuries. Now, we're going to talk about injuries because I love injury prevention, but injuries themselves, man, they suck, right? (laughs) Nobody likes them. They're a scourge on the running community, but they happen to almost all of us. And I know that injury prevention is maybe one of the least sexy things that we could talk about, but... I'd rather be focused on, you know, the big long run that we're coming that's coming up or you know that great workout that's going to get all those kudos on Strava qualifying for Boston, but all of those big sexy things that are really impressive to other runners, they are enabled by our health. Injury prevention enables all those big runs and really lets runners do what they love. So I'm very excited about injury prevention. I think if we can make it one of our goals, obviously a secondary goal, we are going to be happier, faster, and more motivated runners if we can stay healthy. So what we've done is crowdsourced a bunch of injury prevention and treatment and training questions that we're going to answer together here on the podcast. So I hope you're as excited about I am. This is one of my favorite topics.
1: I, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it's one of my favorite topics, um, probably primarily because when I've said to people when they're injured, I've made the mistake a few times of saying, you know, someday you're going to be glad this happened. Uh, I know it sucks, but someday you'll be glad it did. And they've given me a look that says, I want to like pull your eyes out for saying that because they uh, are so mad at me for saying that. And I would have done the same to me had I... um. <laughs> and I said that. But yes, I do agree that um, injury prevention, if you want to avoid the suck of that feeling and just the ugh, the, the depression that comes with it, uh, injury prevention, if it means enough to you, we'll find a way to do it. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking earlier today that you can either make a little bit of time to stay healthy, or you have to make a lot of time to get healthy. And It's probably another way of saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, but I think it's so powerful for runners. And in a sport like running, where our fitness compounds over time, it's really important to stay consistent. And I think staying healthy is one of the best ways to run and train consistently. So let's dive in. We're going to get to uh, a bunch of questions here. These were submitted on Twitter, Instagram, email, all kinds of folks from from Tina's community, and also from the strength running community. Uh, Let's start with a question from John. I'm going to start with this one because it's, it's about my personal injury, the injury that I always get when I'm doing too much too soon before I'm ready for it, about IT band syndrome. So John asks... A few weeks post-injury, I implemented a strength routine, but I still feel this slight sensation on the side of my knee during some of my runs, although it is very minimal. And it comes and it goes very quickly. Should I have any concerns? How should I think about this sort of slight pain that I'm experiencing on the side of my knee? Tina, do you have experience with IT band syndrome? What can you tell John?
1: I mean, I would love to hear your answer first if this is your injury that you deal with the most, but um, I have had it a few times, but yeah, maybe I have to rack my brain because it probably has been a good 10 years since I've experienced that. So while I'm thinking through, uh, I'd love to hear your answer if that is the one that you know the most about.
0: Yeah, I know a lot about it personally, and then I've worked with a lot of runners with IT band syndrome. So it is an injury that I feel like I have a good handle on. It is the injury that is my injury of choice whenever i am doing silly things with my training and <laughs> doing workouts and long runs that i'm not ready for i would say that it kind of depends but i'm pretty encouraged by a slight minimal sensation those those were john's direct words slight minimal sensation i think that's generally okay as long as you're not really pushing the envelope you know if you're in your peak training for a very difficult race and you're running mileage that is very challenging for you, if you're running one or two workouts a week that are challenging for you, now's probably not the time for you to be running through any issues or any problems or niggles that could potentially turn into a really serious injury. Because at that point, you, you really do need a lot going right for you. And if you don't, if you don't have everything going right for you, and you just have all these little niggles, and you're still trying to do those monster long runs and the big mega mileage, then yeah, you might get hurt. And that little minimal slight sensation could re-trigger the IT band injury, and you could you know, get, uh, experience a lot more pain. But if you're someone who's maybe not training for a peak race, you are you don't have anything on the schedule and you're not really pushing to accomplish certain workouts and, and other goals in your training, I think you can still run through it. Uh, of course, you should still be doing the, the strength work, any other different treatments that might be part of your overall treatment approach. So do that in conjunction with the running that you're doing, but I'm fairly optimistic that a slight minimal sensation will eventually just kind of fade into nothing and John will feel very healthy soon.
1: Remind me with an IT band issue is that, does that tend to get worse as like when you are in a, in a flare or whatever the term is for it? Um, does that tend to, you know, start minimally and then get worse or does it tend to warm up?
0: No, it tends to get worse just because you know, it's, it's a problem with friction on the band. And so warming up, isn't going to bring extra blood flow to the area. You know, we're dealing with too much friction or maybe too much compression and extra blood flow warming up. That doesn't really help that issue. So yeah, if it's something that's getting worse as you run, you know, progressively, you know, mile by mile, it's getting worse and worse. That's definitely a red flag in my mind.
1: Yeah. So that, that actually, yeah. I mean, everything you said, I think that is great advice. And I agree with it, um, in every way Uh, that would pretty much echo what what I was going to say. And, um, if you're saying it starts minimally, John, and it does fade away, uh, and that's what he said, fade away, right?
0: I might've said that in my commentary.
1: Okay. But if it is, so it's minimally the whole time.
0: Yeah. He says it comes and it goes quickly.
1: Okay. So yeah. So that is fading away. Um, yeah, I would say that it's probably okay to keep going, but to just keep in mind that if you've just been through an injury, you don't want to feel like that again. So you have to be honest with yourself the entire time um, as coming back from an injury is the mo- the time you are most susceptible to another one. So you have to be honest with yourself. If it goes from minimally to regularly regularly, or even just a slight increase then i would maybe back off and r- consider whether you are ready to risk get being back in that state again or whether it would be worth just backing off a little more for a few more weeks which will feel like forever but definitely won't feel as long as if you had to start from the beginning and uh, and restart that rehab
0: yeah. And as a side note, this is true for anyone with high T-band syndrome. There are certain things that you can do in your running that will likely lessen the risk of it flaring up again. So whenever I have this problem, one thing that I will actively avoid doing is running down any substantial downhills. You know, if it's very slight or gradual, that's fine. I certainly won't run it hard. But if it's really steep, that is uh, a type of running that puts you in a certain form you know your mechanics change to a certain extent that can really exacerbate IT band syndrome so i will avoid running any big downhills anything steep very quickly i will also avoid running on the camber of the road and the camber is sort of the slope at the edge of the road it's for rainwater to to get into the drain there. And for me, my left leg is where I have IT band syndrome. And if I run on the left side of the road, it actually helps my IT band syndrome, I think because it forces my leg to to work in a way that is beneficial. Whereas if I run on the right side of the road, you know, it increases pronation on my left leg, and that makes it worse. So a lot of this is trial and error and just seeing how your body responds to certain grades of a downhill or certain cambers. But really notice how your body responds to those things, because those are certain ways that you can get away with a little bit more running without aggravating the injury that you might have.
1: And that can apply across the board to most injuries, right? If you are coming back from an injury or is minimal, um, testing it out on flat ground first, and then seeing the camber, if that affects things, that's a pretty good way to keep things calm for the most for the most part. As hills are most Hills up or down are probably what's going to irritate most injuries more than other, anything. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I think there's a little difference between uphills and downhills for certain injuries. Like, uphills might actually be easy to run with some slight IT band discomfort. Uh, you know, if you're running on the treadmill, you might want to increase the incline to two or 3% just to change your mechanics slightly. And that will really help IT band syndrome. But on the opposite side of things, if you have Achilles tendinopathy, you probably don't want to be running up those hills. That is something where you really want to stay on flat ground because you don't want to overstress the calf, the soleus, and the Achilles tendon. So yeah, I mean definitely uh, for anyone with an injury, I think it's super important to understand the injury a little bit so that you know how it responds to different training surfaces, you know, different slopes of that surface, and everything else that you could potentially throw at yourself when you're out there running. Great advice. Now, let's move on to a series of questions from Camilla. She has a few, and this one I feel is fascinating. It is broad, but we can take this in a bunch of ways. Uh, Camilla wants to know, what is the real difference, if there is one, between being injured and just having some pain? What do you think, Tina?
1: Oh, that's a tough one to answer. Um, So I'm assuming she's referring to, you know, when we are running that we experience discomforts or pains, you know, maybe towards the end of a run um, or if we're pushing ourselves hard and uh, our body is saying like, that's enough, I've I've, I've had enough here. Is that how you would interpret that? She's talking about the general running?
0: I might think that she's talking about uh, an acute... Source of pain, like a particular muscle or a particular joint or something that happens right away rather than like the accumulated fatigue during a workout or a long run or something.
1: Okay. Well, first, I want to clarify then that we've all had that experience of where you've been running along and suddenly it feels like your knee like buckles and you've got the sharp pain and your head fills with like, what the heck is going on? Like, you know, am I injured? But then you keep going in it and it fades away. So, I, I, we're not talking about that because we've all had that and that will fade away within 30 seconds. But um, I mean, I, in most situations would say to to give it five, 10 minutes um, of, if you can, of running. If you cannot handle even five or 10 minutes, I would cut it right away, give yourself immediately three days off and uh, and then maybe... Maybe check it out then. Um, I always edge on the side of stopping early rather than running through things just because I feel it's so easy to talk. It, like, as runners, we're very good at talking to ourselves, talking out of things, saying, you know, we're supposed to be in pain. We're supposed to, this is supposed to be hard. And we're very good at challenging those inner critic thoughts of our mind. But then it almost makes us. Uh, make mistakes within our physical body when we've pushed it too far, that we can ration, reason ourselves out of things. So I would, um, if you can give it another five to ten minutes, do that. If it's getting worse as it as it goes, just stop right away. Um, and if it is uh, fading away, um, getting easing up, then um, like it might start painful and then it gets lighter and lighter. Then I would say you're okay to. go on but if it continues day after day and you keep finding that there's something there every run you do then maybe that's time to to go see someone to see if there's something else going on behind the scenes
0: right and what i'll add to that is i think you're right on the money when it comes to any kind of pain you're experiencing if it continues on and progressively gets worse or even doesn't get better as you're running that's probably a sign that running is not good for the injury itself and and you're making it worse by running. So I generally have a couple rules that I like to follow when it comes to, you know, am I injured or can I run through this? And I think that if, if you can run without any sharp pain, if it's not stabbing, if it's not severe, if it's not like that immediate red hot flare up, then you can probably run if it's kind of dull and achy, if it's more of a soreness than anything else, then I would say, maybe you can go running. If you also can go running and it gradually gets better as you run. And I think this is what you were saying with give it five or 10 minutes of extra running, continue on for maybe another mile or so see how you feel. And if it does get better, or if it is just a dull and achy soreness, and it doesn't get any worse, that's another good sign that you know you can continue on running. And then the, the final thing I'll look at is, do you have to modify your stride to accommodate the pain? Because if you do have to do that, what you're doing is you're essentially giving yourself a limp. It's a self-imposed limp to accommodate the pain that you're experiencing. We should never do that because once we start changing our stride and altering our gait, what then happens is that, you know, our body is not used to running that way, we're going to start getting other issues potentially. And so if if you have to change how you're running to lessen the pain, then let's not run at all. So those are kind of my three go to rules for knowing when you can keep on running. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a spectrum, right? Sometime you'll have some pinpoint extreme pain that'll last for five seconds and then it's gone. You'll never understand why it happened and <laughs> you probably won't remember it in a day or two. It happens all the time. But then sometimes, I don't know, you, you feel something and it gets gradually worse and it's not a big deal today, but it's a slightly bigger deal tomorrow. Those are the things where, well, it's progressing along that spectrum. And so I, I think if runners think about all of these injuries, pain, soreness, all of this stuff on a spectrum and really think about which way am I moving on that spectrum, I think that's a helpful way of thinking about things because it, it sort of prevents you from labeling it one thing or the other today and more think about the pattern of how it feels over time.
1: Yes, and then I would just add one more thing to that. Also pay attention to how it feels after. If you finish a run and it feels okay, but then later that day, you can barely walk or you get out of bed the next day and you can barely walk or it's really painful. I would then reconsider, um, especially if the pain after runs, it seems to be getting worse day after day. That's definitely a time to, to say, all right, this, my body is not, is not appreciating this. It's time to to either back off, go speak to a professional or, um, yeah, take some time off.
0: That's great advice. All right, let's move on to Camilla's second question. Um, she she wants to know more about ligament health. Do you have any advice, Tina, for improving the health of your ligaments? Because Camilla finds that often all of her injury issues arise from the, her joints, her attachment points, but then she feels pain in the muscles. So she's not really sure how to deal with this issue.
1: I you have to start with saying I'm not a medical professional who can answer that specifically with in terms of ligaments. However, what I would say is uh, just a reminder to everyone out there that we all have like, we're either a muscle person or a ligament person or a bone person, like a lot of it depends on how you your are running form. It may depend on your your body, your like bone structure. Um, it may depend on your diet. There's all kinds of things. I was always someone who tended to get the bone things, if anything. I mean, actually, it's funny, you mentioned about running with a limp. I actually had a, a blood blister on the bottom of my, the pad of my toe, uh, uh, pad of my foot once uh, after a track race. And I ran on the side of my foot so much that I gave myself a stress reaction in my shin because I was literally running on like the side of my foot for weeks, I don't think it was even weeks. It was a few days, but I was doing like 12 miles here and eight miles there. And, um, so, so yeah, that's a, a real life example of that. But yeah. Um, so we all have our areas that are, are, are weaknesses. Um, I would say if it is, um, ligaments that is coming up, um, that is a good time, you know. I'm sure you have some resources, Jason, for people to um, learn about maybe some uh, plyometric or power things they can be doing um, that can help with the with the ligaments' um, uh, durability. Um, but actually, I mean, I I should say I I feel uncomfortable going any further, knowing that I actually can't say in terms of ligaments as to what why that would be the case.
0: Yeah. Well, I think. Plyometrics can certainly be really helpful, but I think you really should only start plyometrics if you're 100% healthy, because they can be very stressful. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you mean they're plyometrics, so they're plyometric in nature, which means they're ballistic. They are a power exercise, which basically means you're going to do something that requires a lot of strength, but you're going to do it quickly. And so that makes any strength movement much more challenging. I think, yes, let's, let's do some plyos and, and I think, you know, almost like Elmer's glue, a dabble will do ya? Let's do a little bit of plyometrics fairly regularly so that our body is not, uh, surprised by them. We want our body to be fully adapted to them. I also think a regular strength training practice is, is going to be probably one of the most effective strategies for someone who gets a lot of ligament injuries because, You know, we think about strength training as, you know, making your muscles stronger. And while that's true, they also toughen up your joints and all those connective tissues, the ligaments and the tendons and, you know, everything that's in your joint just gets more durable and resilient when you're doing regular strength training. Um, I, I also think consistency with running training is really important for ligament health and really any injury, because I think most runners tend to get injured when they are ramping up the intensity or ramping up the mileage. But if you're fairly consistent and you don't have huge swings in mileage or huge swings in intensity, these issues are just gonna be more rare for you in general. So yeah, I mean, I I think we should probably stop here because we're not medical professionals. I mean, I wanna talk about this from the training side of things, but if someone is getting consistent, regular chronic ligament injuries, then I would say definitely go see a physical therapist or a doctor because there might be something else going on.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's great advice.
0: And and so speaking of really figuring out what's going on, Camilla's last question or or statement rather is, I think it would be beneficial to have a good anatomy and human physiology baseline of understanding so that we know what's going on with ourselves and in our bodies. And Mm -hmm. Uh you know she she mentions that you know the body is still a big black box for many of us. Tina, what are some recommendations that you have for for learning more about anatomy and physiology and mechanics and how the body works so that if you have a basic understanding of a lot of these issues then self-treatment and injury prevention become a lot easier.
1: I mean, I think that's where that we are living in this really wonderful time where there are so many resources that you can, you know, Google and, and find, uh, you know, I'm sure you've got plenty of videos, uh, Jason, for for understanding, for learning in that way. And if there's areas um, of your body that continue to come up as a problem, or um, there are things that you're very interested in, then it's great to... to um, just spend, you know, an hour one evening rather than watching a Netflix movie on on learning about how the how the body works. Through um, there's plenty of um, really cool YouTube videos. I know you have a great YouTube channel, Jason, um, and it doesn't have to be some stuffy, you know, word intensive textbook. But there's a lot of people out there who have really broken it down into a um, very Easy format for us, you know, mere mortals. I'm not including you, you in this, Jason, to um, <laughs> to understand. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I want to defer to to recommending to go check out strength running. I know you have a ton of um, resources for people to to dig in there, so I would that be my first suggestion to go go look.
0: Thanks, Tina. Um, what I think is helpful is is reading a lot of training books for runners. You'd be surprised at how much anatomy and physiology you pick up from a good training book because they're going to talk a lot about energy systems. And, And I do think it's somewhat counterproductive to overly focus on energy systems, but you can't learn about the aerobic system, the anaerobic system, the lactic system without then talking about, well, here are the workouts that help you build these systems and you know, this is why these workouts build these systems. That is a great primer on very specific physiology for runners. And then on the flip side of that, you know, we can talk about energy systems, that's kind of what's happening inside your body, you know, from a metabolic perspective. But then there's also, you know, your muscles and tendons and ligaments and joints and how all those work and force production and types of fibers you have in your muscles and all this nerdy stuff that is really interesting at least i think so mm-hmm. but one of the things that i found really helpful for learning more about that were um, is the usa track and field coaching certification because you know you get a, a whole book the level 1 curriculum comes with a book and there's every chapter focuses on something new you have training theory physiology biomechanics and there's a couple other, you know, then there's, of course, the sport specific, you know, the, the hurtling events, the jumping events, the sprinting events, but that gives a really good background specific to running on all those energy systems and, you know, uh, the, the different types of fitness you can have, you know, what is power? What is endurance? What is coordination and proprioception and, and how do you build those? And so I, I found that to be really illuminating. And I think if you want to become a better runner, you know, I'm always saying that knowledge is a competitive advantage. Learn more about the sport, learn more about your body. You're probably going to make better decisions, and that's going to positively affect your training. And so I think getting some good running books, Becoming certified as a coach, even if you never want to coach anybody, I think is super valuable. It'll make you into a better runner yourself. And then, like you said, Tina, there's just so many resources online. You could probably combine watching a Netflix movie and learning about anatomy because I bet there's a Netflix documentary. Oh, I, yeah,
1: you're right. I bet there is <laughs> on human
0: physiology. Yeah. That would be very fascinating.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. I am just going to give people if if I was to to say one, uh, Brad Beer. I don't know if you follow him on, he has amazing, really, uh, not actionable, but they're broken down into really digestible, um, little, uh, chunks of content. And you can learn a lot about the human body, uh, through his posts. So he's probably the person I'd recommend. I think it's Pogo physio, uh, Brad beer, uh, on Instagram. He's a, if you want little bite-sized chunks.
0: Yeah, I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Brad is someone that I follow on Twitter and and that's actually another good suggestion is that I've found that if I follow really smart people on Twitter, then <laughs> I learn through osmosis a little bit. And I think that's a really good way of setting up your social media account so that, you know, you're you're learning from this random physiologist over here or, you know, this certified mental performance consultant here and and it's a great way to really get a variety of perspectives on all these different issues that we're talking about. So I, I think that's a, a good place to start too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this question, Tina, I am very curious to ask you specifically, um, <laughs> because I'm the one who came up with it. And <laughs> it is is something that I've been asked in the past. And I, I really just want to ask you, how important is nutrition for injury prevention? If we were to you know, rank a whole bunch of injury prevention strategies. Where would your overall nutrition fall in that list? How important is it?
1: Well, I would put sleep as number one, and then I would probably put nutrition as number two. Um, not that it needs to be obsessive. I want to absolutely clarify that um, I am not talking about hashtag clean eating or, um, only eating certain foods, you know, going to someone's birthday dinner and saying, I can't eat this cause I need to eat my, you know, kale salad with kimchi. But, um, Trying to find a way to add as many colors into your diet as possible throughout a day. Um, trying to just sprinkle little things into into things here and there. So you're having a peanut butter on toast because you're in a rush and you're trying to eat while you're getting dressed. Sprinkle some hemp seeds or some chia seeds on the top. Or like if you um, are having a smoothie, sprink- put some flax seed in there. Like just I think it's more a case of what we can add day to day, rather than it being a case of I have to get rid of this food um, to make room. So I think we, nutrition is very important um, in terms of, I'm always going to look at it in terms of just deficiency, um, calorie deficiency is most important. If you are not having enough calories in your diet, man or woman, um, you you are going to get injured like that's just going to happen. Um, but in terms of the content of your diet, I would say that's less important than trying to get, um, enough in. So I, for me, that is, I would say number two, because, um, without enough calories, your body is just going to be running on empty. Um, and it's going to start, um, it's going to start breaking down because it's not going to be able to handle the stresses and the demands that we are putting on it. So yeah, I would put it very high up. What about you? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I agree with you. I think the under eating issue is a really important one for for every runner because it's going to lead to a much higher susceptibility to bone injuries and, and any other injury, really. If you're not fueling your body properly, you know, it has to get its energy from somewhere. It's going to start to break down. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's just one of those, one of those issues, too, where uh, – we all think that we have to be perfect when it comes to our diet, and we certainly don't. My diet, not perfect, not perfect at all. <laughs> and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, your nutrition is something that's going to be very personalized. And like you said, sleep is number one because, you know, it's like resetting the body, it's recovering from anything and, anything and everything that you've done all day long. And nutrition, I think, is an important. component to that idea that it is so fundamental that we could be talking about almost anything right now and nutrition would be really important to that you know whether it was you know uh you want to be a better parent well you got to sleep and that is often at odds with being a parent (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you know you have to sleep you have to eat well you can't just under eat and be cranky all day and expect to be a good parent so I, i i feel like the fundamentals must be covered if you want to perform, if you want to operate at a peak level in whatever you're doing, whether that's running, whether that is you being an entrepreneur, being a top performer at work, no matter what it is, those are so fundamental that they can never be ignored.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better.
0: Okay. Let's move on to an interesting question from Arian. Uh, This is almost uh, the opposite question to under eating. Arian said, I started going to the gym and lifting like a bodybuilder. My weight increased by four kilograms, which if my math is right, is about nine pounds. And after that, I faced several injuries back to back with a groin muscle pull, then a stress fracture, and now very sharp knee pain. And Arian's question is, are these injuries happening because of the extra body weight and muscles that I'm carrying, or could it just be training?
1: Well, there's a few other questions that I think would be helpful to know for us to give a full answer, including like, are you getting sore after these weightlifting sessions? And then you're stretching the next day and maybe stretching in a way that is maybe harming more than it's helping. And in which case then, you know, it's, it's causing those muscles, uh, some of the muscles to be overworked because you're not running as you usually would and as Jason mentioned with running with a limp if we're if we're running differently all of a sudden and our body is um, not used to it then we are putting ourselves at susceptibility of injuries so if you're sore so you run with a limp essentially even if it might not feel like it then you're going to be you know susceptible to injuries I would say it could also be that you are overdoing it um I would be curious with why the lifting like a weightlifter um there's nothing wrong with that but if running is the primary sport um that you want to focus on um it's I'm all for lifting heavy weights in fact when I was training as an elite I would lift very heavy weights but they were very intentional and um and planned out uh for my my body um but it always came behind the running it always had to uh, uh, that's not true it was it was as we talked about at the beginning it kept me healthy so it was as important as the running but it wasn't done I wasn't trying to ramp up my running and ramp up weightlifting and jumping in all of a sudden which it kind of sounds like um that's what he's doing so I would just say to look at all the factors coming together, are you doing this weightlifting and trying to keep your running as it normally is, um, in which case you've suddenly overloaded it with a ton of exercise, but no, I would confidently say that it is not the extra weight of the muscles, Um, it's probably something to do with either the action of of the the weightlifting or just the sudden increase in exercises that your body is not um, prepared to deal with, what would you say?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think I don't have too much more to add. I don't think it's the extra weight that's contributing to the injuries because, you know, presumably Arian has been running and, you know, this weight didn't all of a sudden happen, you know, from Monday to Tuesday. It happened over the course of, you know, a couple months. And, you know, if you're running through that, your body is gradually getting used to that over a series of months. And and that's probably okay in my mind. I would echo your concern over what the primary goal is for this athlete, because distance running and bodybuilding are diametrically opposed to each other in terms of the physiological demands on your body. On the one hand, bodybuilders are only focused on hypertrophy. They want their muscles to grow. They want them to get big. And they don't really do much aerobic exercise because that eats into your calorie reserves that have to go towards building muscle. And then they also lift weights very differently than runners typically will. You know, it's very muscle specific. You know, you're focusing on one individual muscle at a time and you're working it really hard where runners typically work a little bit more on movements rather than muscles. And so... You know, on the other side of that, the running, you know, <laughs> running is is a sport where you can eat a lot and you, a lot of runners typically don't gain a lot of weight because they're expending such a tremendous amount of calories on their running. And so if all your excess calories are going toward the aerobic exercise, you're just not really going to have as much available for the hypertrophy. So they they kind of compete for resources. And if you wanted to be a really good bodybuilder and a really good distance runner, you're probably going to end up being mediocre at both. I would much rather see an athlete decide what they're truly interested in, whether it's running or bodybuilding, and then go hard on either one. Now, that doesn't mean if you lift weights, you can't run, or if you run, you shouldn't be lifting weights, but it's more on the type of running and the type of lifting that you're doing. And And I think that's an important way to think about it because it, it gives you clarity on how to train if you actually know, you know, what you want to, to accomplish.
1: Yeah. That's great. Great advice.
0: Now this is an anonymous question. And, and the question is, do I really have to stop running when I have a common cold? <laughs> I love this. It's not really an injury question, but it sort of is a lot of runners think that, you know, they're going to run themselves into the ground if they have a cold. Uh, and of course we're runners. We always want to run, even if, we have the flu or something else. We definitely want to get out there. And I think what I would say to this is if you just have the common cold and it's roughly speaking neck down, you know, you're not dealing with, um, you know, a fever or something like that, you could probably go running, but I would keep it easy. I would keep it relatively short and, I, I wouldn't do anything substantial, whether that's volume or intensity based. Let's keep it easy. But if it's just a common cold, you can probably go for a run.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the the best advice there. The only thing I'd maybe add is if you start to notice that it's going down into your chest more, maybe you haven't been able to get it out of your system and you could feel it accumulating in your chest, then uh just to be careful not to as Jason said, definitely not to to a to run hard or to, um, go too long, but just be aware that if it seems to be, it's five days later and it feels worse in your chest than it did before, then maybe consider backing off even more. Um, so it doesn't turn into to something more than a cold.
0: You know, Tina, when I was a senior in college, I ran my entire outdoor track season with chest congestion,
1: mm.
0: hacking up a lung. I had phlegm deep mm. in my chest. I also PR'd in numerous <laughs> events and had quite the season for myself.
1: This is not encouraging people.
0: No, I don't <laughs> think anybody should do this. I was a, a very dumb 22-year-old boy at the time and didn't know what I was doing. But what what why could I do that? Do you have any reason why I would be able to run a season with that severe chest congestion, and it was it was pretty severe. I could I could hack up some really gross stuff on a daily basis. Why was I still able to run, you know, fairly well without any complications? I, I probably had some severe respiratory infection.
1: I mean, uh, the first thing that jumps to mind to me is like, how quick could you have run had it not got to that point? Aha. Uh-huh. Um, so, and that's the same thing I think about with my um, days of not eating enough how much faster could I have run had I eaten more? Um, but I I mean, unfortunately as much as I would imagine most of our listeners don't want to hear this. I think when you're that age, a lot of the time our body can just, it's way better at being adaptive and just getting on with things and then recovering very quickly. Whereas, um, yeah, as it gets older, it just uh, loses that ability to snap back. And while you couldn't get rid of the chest congestion, it could probably just, I mean, I'm totally guessing, just handle those little chunks of intense work, but it would make you pay the price later.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good way to think about it. And in hindsight, I, I, shouldn't ha- I should have just taken a little bit of time off to get that under control. Not something I really recommend. And Probably a, a side effect of just being really young and, and having that working for me. We need to be able to bottle up youth because I think <laughs> that would be the ultimate, the ultimate uh, podcast download bonus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be a pretty cool thing that people would be interested in.
0: Um, <laughs> Tina, our next question comes from a coach from Monty and... This is a great one. I struggle with this sometimes. He says, how do I control my client's compulsion for running? Now, there's really not much else context behind this, but clearly, you know, I I think this speaks to the fact that runners want to run, even when we're dealing with something that is uncomfortable or potentially an injury, we still want to get out there and go for a run. So how do we as coaches work with athletes and, you know, try to temper that compulsion a little bit?
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never met. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I definitely know that. And you know there is that thing that we as runners we don't want to take even one day off more than we need to. And I remember balancing that thing in my head of saying, "Well, what if I'm ready to go now and I'm taking extra day off when." that's a day of fitness that I could be losing when I could be gaining it back and I'm healthy. So I think we're very good at, again, as I mentioned earlier, like reasoning with ourselves as to why we should go about it. And we may even decide first thing in the morning that, okay, I'm going to rest today. But then later on in the day, you see someone running by and it's a beautiful day and you think, well, you know, it feels okay, I guess. I mean, might as all well try. Um, so, I feel for you first, because that is incredibly frustrating and runners are not good at listening, um, not good at resting. Um, I usually tell people to write, assuming you're asking this in the context of injuries, when you're in the thick of an injury, write down how you feel, like how crappy that feels, how, how, much you do not want to feel like this. And I like to write, like, obviously not to share with anyone, but just get people to write it down. Or even, you know, you could have them record a voice memo to themselves. Like, I feel depressed, I feel like lost, I feel alone, whatever. Um, And then when it is that time when they're starting to push, you know, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? And you feel like it's not the right time. They're not ready for it. You can say, go read that, go listen to this because, um, it will remind them of, you know, what's at stake here and why it's better to play it on the safe side. And also finally, just to trust your coach, because I think that is probably what's partly frustrating for Monty, um, is that even though we have coaches, sometimes we find it really hard um, to listen in situations like this where we just want to get going again. But there's nothing Monty can do but to anyone listening who um, has a coach, if you have a coach, you should be able to trust them and trust that what they're telling you is for your benefit. They're not trying to sabotage you. They're not trying to get you to lose fitness. They're actually trying to do the opposite. So yeah, for Monty's athletes, try and just trust him.
0: Yeah, and as a coach, it, it definitely helps our job when we are good at our job, when we get you back out on the road running healthy. So we certainly have a, a vested interest in in doing exactly that. Uh, the only thing I'll say is is I'll just certainly echo what you said about writing down how you feel. And I, I feel like right now, so many runners have digital public training logs, whether that's on Strava or some other Garmin Connect profile or something else. And, you know, maybe I'm showing my age a little bit, but I didn't have that when I started running. And for the first 10, 12 years of my running career, I kept a paper journal training log. I am now looking at... 10 of these that I have on my bookshelf right now that I can pick up. And it's almost like a diary of when I was a sophomore in high school, a junior in college. And it's crazy to read about the workouts that I did, how I felt on certain days, and and all the other little things that I was recording at the time. But I think one of the most valuable aspects to it is that it can really capture the highs and lows of running based on whether or not you're injured. And and there's certainly entries in there where I run a PR in the race or I just have a good workout or I just crush a long run and everything goes well, where you can tell that I'm just thrilled and and I read it. And, you know, it's just this kind of amazing feeling like, wow, I did all these things. I'm really proud of it. It made me feel good. and, And it makes me want to go do it again. Whereas when I look at the entries when I'm injured or I had to cut a run short because something hurt the depression and just the the languishing almost seeps off the page and when i look at that i recognize how terrible it is to be injured how it really can screw with your psyche and your mindset and runners you know who are we except our mindsets you know running is such a mental sport we got to keep our head on straight and Not getting down in the dumps on ourselves when we're injured uh, is a big part of that. And and reminding yourself what that felt like can be a really powerful way of ensuring that you don't go back there in the future, that you actually make the time for the strength training, that you actually take your easy runs super easy, you get your sleep, you eat right, all those things that are going to contribute to you staying healthy. I think you place them on a pedestal when you're constantly reminded of how bad you feel when you're injured. And I think that's such a valuable strategy, Tina, because it, you know, it's almost like, you you know, you're not going to lie to yourself. You know, your coach can sit there and say, you have to do this because we need to get you healthy. You don't want to get re-injured and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you are reading your own thoughts you're going to believe yourself and you're going to really viscerally remember how that felt. And that's powerful.
1: Yeah. Well, if you can feel it from, you know, your high school days, then someone who was injured recently, that will bring that all right back to the forefront. So yeah, that's, that's definitely, I I love that you've had those journals or those years. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. I used to use the old runner's world training logs that there was a block for each day. And then I went straight to just uh, a paper notebook and I I had a lot more flexibility with that and was tracking how many miles I had on my shoes and monthly mileage. And I really geeked out, Tina. It was a blast.
1: Don't lie. You put loads of flowers and hearts and made it into a a little uh, creative journal where you were just drawing pictures of unicorns and rainbows as well, right?
0: Something like that. Yeah. I remember, (laughs) I think it was like my college days where I was trying to track some of my partying metrics to see what sort of effect it might've had. How much you could
1: go out and get away with.
0: (laughs) Well, it wasn't necessarily that. It was more like, if I did this, how would I feel the next day? And and there's a pretty clear correlation between me having a lot of fun and me not running very well. So you got to balance that.
1: I'm actually uh, uh, deflecting my own uh, mistakes with going out drinking and then trying to race. So uh, definitely, uh, finger pointed back at me when I was saying.
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever run a race while hungover?
1: Not hungover. I've done Thursdays and raced on Saturdays.
0: Oh, that might be even worse. How'd you feel?
1: Um, I think you can imagine. Not great. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't it wasn't the smartest decisions of my life as as a teenager, but. Gives me a funny memory to look back on, right? So,
0: (laughs) Did I ever tell you that when I ran my 5,000 meter PR, it was in a small dual meet. I was a senior in college and my friend was going to pace me for this. We got permission from the race director. He said, yeah, he was was an alum. He was going to come back, pace me in this 5K. We didn't think it was going to be too competitive. He showed up 10 minutes before the race, completely hungover, Smelling like beer. Oh no. And he still did it because he was substantially better than me. He was much faster than I was. But I had to run behind him for 11 and a half laps. He finally pulled off, you know, <laughs> with 400 to go. And I had to like smell his booze breath for five and a half laps at like 510 mile pace.
1: Did you, that the, you ran your personal best, though? So it worked? I
0: did run a PR. So I'm very happy about that.
1: So it was worth smelling. Well, actually, I, I want to tell you, you mentioned running realize at the beginning. Knox tells a, um, a Kevin Hart drink, drunk running story on the episode of running realize coming out on the 17th. So, um, for someone who wants to hear a little about that, um, that episode is pretty funny.
0: That is awesome. If, <laughs> can I get a Kevin Hart on the podcast? He'd yeah, I, know, great... that's what I was
1: like, uh, you know, Kevin Hart, excuse me. Like <laughs> what? Like, how did I, how have you not introduced me yet? Um, so yeah, but no, he's not giving up that secret.
0: <laughs> well, I can't wait for that story. That's fun. Yeah, I, I do think uh, a very short, easy run after a night of too much fun c- can be helpful for you. But let's not run a race or do a workout.
1: Yes, night, no, no. <laughs> night.
0: All right, Tina, that wraps our injury questions for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I have so much fun chatting with you about, anything and everything, especially running, but just want to thank you for being here and sharing your expertise and your perspectives. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with or potentially, I mean, you just teased an amazing episode of running realize that's coming out, but is there anything else that you wanted to, uh, leave our listeners with?
1: Uh, well, I want to thank you for the opportunity and just, yeah, I always have so much fun on these and I love hearing how much both of our communities enjoy them. So, um, yeah, that's really cool. and. I mean, I think I would just say that, um, if you are injured right now, like our hearts are with you, like that really is so hard, particularly at this time of year when it is, well, for a lot of us, depending on where people are listening from, um, ideal running weather, uh, there's a lot of new runners out there from the pandemic and it feels like everyone around you is running and running well, uh, all the races are coming up and it, uh, for the fall and it probably feels like, will I ever get there? But as much as I was joking about it at the beginning of, you know, someone saying this will be for the best, um, it can be and it will be. Um, You are going through a tough time right now. But then when you do get the opportunity to race and you do get the opportunity to be in a place where you can test yourself, you will be able to remember this moment, especially if you did what Jason and I said of journaling it, you'll be able to read that before your race and be like, look at where I've come from, look at what I've been through. And I've, I have always had my best races after injuries because it readjusts um, your perspective and makes you realize just how much running means to you. So even if it's horrible right now, for some way, somehow down the down the road, um, this is going to be for the best, and you will be thankful that this happened because of what it taught you. So,
0: and to add to that, because I I think it was, it's just so amazing when you're getting healthy and you're journaling that process and writing it in, in your training log, you get excited about the progress. Mm. Even if you're not able to run right now, you'll look back on oh now I'm doing a lot more strength training than I was a week ago. I am feeling better on a day-to-day basis than I was just a few days ago. And and almost like training, I got very excited by the progression of training. Hey, I'm running more miles now. My times are getting faster. You'll get excited about the progression in your health too. And, And I think that is yet another reason why journaling can be super effective here. So Tina, thanks again. This was so awesome. Thank you. And that's our show. Thank you to Tina for helping me answer these questions. And thank you to Camilla, John, Monty, Arian, and everyone else who asked their questions. Now, I wanna talk about Precision Hydration, who has generously offered 15% off your first order with code STRENGTH15. Now, if you remember back to last year, I interviewed their founder and CEO, Andy Blow, about all things hydration in episode 147. It's actually one of our most popular episodes ever. Well, Andy was nice enough to set me up with a custom sweat test, and I learned a lot of new things about my body in the process. First of all, I don't sweat very much. That's something I kind of knew already, but it was nice to put numbers behind that. And when I do sweat, I'm practically an outlier in terms of how salty my sweat is. So for really long efforts, especially when it's hot, I certainly have to pay far more attention to my electrolyte levels so I don't crash. Now, of course, this isn't a one size fits all approach to hydration for athletes, and this is why I love Precision Hydration. They help athletes refine their hydration strategy for whatever event they're training for. And if you can't get a custom sweat test done, then no sweat. Sorry about that awful pun. I just couldn't resist. But (laughs) Precision Hydration has an online free sweat test that you can take on their website, precisionhydration.com, and that'll give you your own personalized hydration strategy. Now, it's heating up where I am, and I'm ending my runs a lot sweatier than I was just a month ago. I know I'll be paying a lot more attention to my hydration and electrolyte needs, especially with those longer runs, and when I go up in the mountains here at Altitude. Check out Precision Hydration at precisionhydration.com, and don't forget that you can get 15% off your first order of electrolytes that match how you sweat by using the code STRENGTH15. That's STRENGTH15 at checkout, to save fifteen percent. All right, that's our show today. Thank you so much for subscribing and hanging out with me today. As always, don't hesitate to reach out to me anytime with questions about your running at support at strengthrunning.com. We'll be in touch soon.